on that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to all the people, and the nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One Christmas many, many years ago, there was one thing I wanted more than anything else. I wanted to kidnap Santa Claus. I must have been seven years old when I decided it was time to enter the world of criminal activity, and I began plotting my plan. At the time, my bedroom was in the basement, just down the hall from the living room and the fireplace where Santa usually entered our house. For months, I eagerly anticipated that hallowed night when we would leave out the cookies and the milk, when we would deck ourselves out in matching pajamas as an entire family, when we would struggle to sleep with the excitement of morning presents so close at hand. But this time, I was going to be ready. In the days that led up to Christmas, the time we call Advent, I went through every drawer and I found items that could be used for my trap. I took every tie and belt that I owned, and I tied them together in one long rope. It wasn't quite enough, so I started collecting random bits of string I found around the house, and I added them to my dress clothes accessories. I carefully laid out the entirety of it from my bed, through my room, down the hall, around the corner, and right to the front of the fireplace. Now, the key to this whole operation was the last piece attached to the last tie, my plastic Fisher-Price stethoscope. You see, the stethoscope was at the end, and it would functionally wrap around Santa's ankle so that I could pull from my end in the bedroom and bring old Saint Nick right down to the ground. And so I practiced. I set up the elaborate trap, and I forced my little sister to stand by the fireplace while I ran back to my bedroom, got under the covers, and pulled as hard as I could. Over and over again, I yanked on that line, perfecting the angles and the force necessary to bring my prey into captivity. It was perfect. Now, of course, my mother was quite concerned when she discovered that all of my nice belts and all the ties were wrapped together. And when she asked me what I was up to, I replied, don't worry about it. On Christmas Eve, we went to church with everyone else, and I didn't listen to a single word. All I wanted was to get back home, get to the house, and catch that man dressed in red. Why? I'm not entirely sure, but why not? After all, this is the guy who shows up in homes every year and brings overwhelming joy to so many people. I guess I just couldn't stand the mystery anymore. I wanted to know what compelled him to do what he did. I wanted to know what he would say when I caught him. And so it was after setting out the milk and cookies, after being tucked into bed, I waited until my parents went back upstairs and I set the trap. For minutes that seemed like hours, I laid in bed with my hand tightly gripping that last belt. My focus was pure and unwavering. I listened for any sound that would indicate that it was the time to pull. I sniffed the air for the delicious smells of peppermint that often accompany those from the North Pole. I held on for the slightest vibrations in response to Santa's boot falling perfectly into the stethoscope. And then I woke up. (laughs) Anticipation 
expectation, patience, waiting, all of these are the words that we can't stand during the season of Advent. Instead, we'd rather know what's wrapped under the Christmas tree. We have our lights strung up on the gutters before Thanksgiving. We plan our holiday meals weeks in advance. We want to skip right to Christmas morning, and we can't imagine it any other way. And who can blame us? Christmas is all about the presents and the songs and the lights. Just the word Christmas conjures images of trees and children ripping through wrapping paper and squeals of delight when they finally get that thing they wanted. At least that's what Christmas means to the world. We know that Christmas is about Jesus. But with the advent of consumer-driven commodities and the need for economic prosperity, Christmas has become the competition of corporations. Do you know that Black Friday doesn't even start on Friday anymore? It starts at 5 o'clock on Thanksgiving. Americans will spend as, almost as much money on material goods from Thanksgiving to Christmas as we do the rest of the year combined. And we do all of this to celebrate a homeless baby born in a stench-filled manger. Or you could just take a drive around Stanton one night this week. There used to be mangers and magi in the yards. Now you're lucky if you find a little baby plastic Jesus behind Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and giant inflatable renditions of Santa Claus. Advent. This strange and beautiful season in the life of the church is about our re-participation in the season of anticipation, expectation, patience, and waiting. It's like planning to kidnap Santa Claus for weeks and dreaming about what might happen. Advent is a time where we are forced to wait, like the Israelites did so long ago, for so long to find out what's going to happen next. While the world fast-forwards to the next consumer-driven holiday, while retailers are already putting out decorations for Valentine's Day, while the world rushes on and on and on, we, we wait. We wait. And we remember how long God's people waited for what we have. Jesus. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Peace comes from a stump. Out of something that, comp that appears completely and utterly finished, an object that we would gloss over comes the sign of new life, a green sprig. This is how hope and peace begin. They emerge like a tiny tendril in unexpected places through the least likely of people. Like a child this year foregoing their Christmas presents so that others might rejoice in the celebration. Hope and peace appear in strange and beautiful ways. From the line of David will come a child, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and fear will be his. He will not judge by what his eyes see or what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will transform the world. For centuries the Israelites waited for a child such as this. While new powers and principalities dominated their very existence, they prayed in anticipation of the Messiah who would come to turn the world upside down. They proclaimed the faithfulness of the Lord in sending the shoot from the stump. They dreamed about how everything would change. In that day, the wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard 
shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. But of course, this is not what the world looks like today. There are no predators and prey lying sweetly together in the fields. Republicans and Democrats are not skipping hand in hand down the main streets of our communities. Children are not content with Christmas trees without presents bursting from the bottom. The protesters at Standing Rock are not dancing around the fires with the leaders of the Dakota Access Pipeline while snow falls from the sky. No, it's not what the world looks like. Isaiah's vision of a child leading the way to peace is strange because it is so different from what the Israelites experienced and it is so different compared to the terror and the brutality and the greed that we experience. We don't know peace. We know fear and violence and pain. We see images from the last week of fires raging through communities and leveling places like Gatlinburg to the ground. We hear the screams of children from Aleppo on the news as they run from bombs falling out of the sky. We experience the terror of ever-shrinking bank accounts when we feel pressured to fill this season with as many material goods as possible. We are a fearful people. Even today, we are just like the Israelites waiting for a better day, a day of hope and a day of peace. I failed in my attempt to enter the criminal world by kidnapping Santa Claus because I fell asleep. I was exhausted by the insatiable desire to get precisely what I wanted. Instead of patiently waiting for the mystery, instead of living into the reality of things unseen, I fell asleep on Christmas Eve with a belt tied around my hand. Peace and hope come from unexpected places. But when we are so consumed by our desires, when we want to skip right to Christmas morning, when our sin stands in the way of God making all things new, we become the axe that is resting by the roots of a stump. We become the stumbling blocks that prevent God's peace and hope from reigning in this world. Our desire for an answer to every question we have propels us into a place where we no longer consider the consequences of our actions. Our desire for prosperity fuels our inability to remember those who suffer at the hands of our greed. Our desire for fulfillment in presence under a tree prevents us from ever being the people God is calling us to be. In my attempted Christmas Eve kidnapping, I wanted to have control over the one bearing gifts. But God calls us to relinquish our control and seek his will. In life, we want answers to all of our questions, but God calls us to be the answers to our questions. If we want peace, then we have to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Advent is a time for us to wait and remember. We wait for the Lord and remember our brokenness. We wait for the Lord to do a new thing. We remember that we are called to be a people of peace. We wait and remember that through God's help, we can destroy the axe that is our sinfulness, and instead we can bear fruit in the kingdom of God. Isaiah promises us a future of peace. It will be strange and new and wonderful. It will be like predators and prey lying contently with one another. It is a vision of God's infinite future of reconciliation when we are brought into unity with one another. 
But that vision of the future is not just about something in the distant future. It's also a peace right here and right now. Peace from a stump. Peace from a baby. Peace from something like a loaf of bread. For at this table where we are about to gather, where bullies and the bullied sit together, where the weak and the meek eat with the healthy and the wealthy, we catch a glimpse of that peace. This meal, this bread, this cup, they are a foretaste of God's heavenly banquet. It is the place where all divisions end. God does a new thing whenever we gather at this table. It's not just that we march up to the front and we catch a glimpse only to return to our pews with thoughts of sugar plums dancing in our heads. No, we come to this table and we are consumed by that which we consume and we are changed forever. The meal follows us when we leave. God works in us through the power of the spirit and we become the people of peace that God promised so long ago. Isaiah saw, with eyes wide open, a vision of a kingdom of God that we wait for every Advent. He had a vision of a baby being born into a world in order to transform the world. He saw the glorious dwelling of the Lord made manifest in the least likely of places. And through this vision, he had hope. Hope for things yet unseen. Hope for old and backwards assumptions being lost to the sands of time. Hope for a new vision and hearing to perceive the world through the Spirit, hope for something called peace. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.